Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. Here's to new beginnings. Be a queen, not a pawn. I'm Andrea Askwitz. I'm Zarina Fry. And I'm Allison Langer. And we're the hosts of Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. And by art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, Writing Class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like Writing Class. And we want to bring you in. We got Zarina back. She's back from San Francisco. She escaped from Alcatraz. Zarina, thanks for being back, hosting with us on our show. Hey, always a pleasure. Yay! Today on our show, author and overall cool woman, Allison Landa. I told you Allison Langer, right? <laughs> I told you that Allison Landa is my new favorite Allison, right? Yeah, you did. Okay, because I really like her. All right. Um, So Alison Landa reads an excerpt from her new memoir, which is coming out October 4th, 2022, called Bearded Lady. So the whole story, the whole memoir is all guts. I love this writing. I love Alison Langer. I'm sorry. I I do love Alison Langer. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I love Alison Landa as a writer. I swear she's the next Joan Didion. But I don't want to oversell what you're about to hear, although I'm not really worried because I can't oversell it. It's that good. Okay, so I want to tell you how I know her. I was asked to blurb her book. And I was at first like, whoa, no, that's a lot of homework. But as soon as I started reading her book, I like I fell in love with every single page. Seriously, it's amazing. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Is she going to do an audio? Because, you know, I don't read that much anymore. And I really want an audio to this book. I Can we know. put a request in for that? Yeah, let's put a request in. Yeah, because yeah, Allison Langer, you must read Bearded Lady. Oh my god, everyone must read Bearded Lady. It's a lesson in everything a memoir should be. The part that we're about to hear is an amazing lesson in use of a container, and it's also an amazing lesson in being vulnerable. And I remember Cheryl Strayed. I learned this from her. She's the author of Wild, and she said, don't lift your skirt just to lift your skirt. I mean, and I will say that I kind of like, I have a thing for lifting skirts, but Al- <laughs> wait, <laughs> is this going somewhere? Yeah, it is. I, I, yeah, it is. Okay. I mean, what I mean is I like to lift my skirt because it's just fun, but um, you shouldn't lift your skirt unless there's really a reason to lift your skirt. And Allison Landa lifts her skirt in just the right way for just the right reasons. And you'll hear that as soon as you hear her excerpt from Bearded Lady after the break. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Hey, writers. 
For the last 45 years, I've been going to tennis clinics to practice forehand, backhand serves. What does this have to do with writing? Well, practice, I've learned in the last 45 years, is what it takes to get good at anything. And that's why Writing Class Radio hosts a tips clinic, a writing tips clinic. We do this every second Saturday so that we can all practice going to scene, writing like we speak, omitting needless words, everything that it takes to become great or at least better at writing. So join us every second Saturday from 12 noon to 1 Eastern time on Zoom. To join, go to writingclassradio.com and click the link for the tips clinic. It's $10 and believe me, it's a lot cheaper than a tennis clinic. See you there. We're back. This is Zarina Fry and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Up next is Allison Landa. Allison's essays have appeared in Parents Magazine, Business Insider, The Guardian, The Washington Post, and HuffPost Personal. She teaches at the Writing Salon in San Francisco. Ooh, ooh, I just came from there. Earned an MFA in fiction from St. Mary's College of California. She is represented by Marissa Zepieri of Strachan Literary Agency. Here's Allison Landa reading an excerpt from her memoir, Bearded Lady. I'm making my way down the path that leads to the laser clinic's front door, through a rock garden, past beds of flowers, along miniature waterfalls whose tinkling makes me want to pee. I feel like I'm walking down a hallway and the damn thing keeps getting longer and longer. I've seen horror films like this. Just when you think you've reached the end, you find it out of your reach. Here's the front door. Damn. Hi, the woman says. My name is Jessica. She's not what I expected. Pudgy with braces, heavy eyebrows, a little roll of fat bulging beneath her shirt, which says oil of Olay, spelled out in little faux rhinestones. The front lobby is comfortable. I'd wanted it to feel sterile to the point of hostility, stripped down, hatefully designed savvy, leather couches and subtly lit mirrors. Instead, it looks like the kind of place where you'd want a house sit. Is this where you do the face stapling? I mean, laser hair removal, I asked Jessica. Nope, she says, and leads me into a private room. This is what I expected. White on white, not even a Thomas Kincaid knockoff to liven things up. Excellent. She offers me a drink, Jim Beam perhaps. I opt for a Diet Coke and roll the cold can between my moist palms. The air in here smells like nothing, nothing at all. Like they deep clean the oxygen between appointments. For all I know, they do. She pulls out a drawer, a clipboard, paper, a valentine red pen. I notice the short, unpainted nails on her stubby fingers. There's something endearing about her hands, something natural, undiminished. She marks a diagram of a face, red ink on the expressionless example. She's a lefty. Full face, Jessica says, tapping the paper with the pen. She's giving the paper diagram freckles, acne, upper lip, chin, cheeks, the whole pickle. I was 10 the only time my mother ever took me to the doctor. I had fur on my arms, lower back, face. She's hirsute, the doctor said. Excess hair growth. 
He wrote out a lab slip for tests that were never conducted. We made a follow-up appointment that would not be kept. It would take 20 years to obtain a proper diagnosis. Congenital adrenal hyperplasia, a syndrome that results in excess hair growth, obesity, infertility, and male pattern balding in female patients. Instead of seeking further information and eventual treatment, my mother taught me to shave my face. We stood in my linoleum-tiled bathroom with New Wave on the radio, outside the San Diego Mercury, relatively benign at 80 degrees. Still, the red and white stripes on the Barbizol can pulsed in the heat. I bite my lip hard enough to draw blood, not from nerves, but to reassure myself that I'm here in the laser clinic. I'm alive. I'm doing this. Jessica puts down the clipboard and fixes me with a metallic smile. They make invisible braces. Why didn't she go that route? Then I flush, angry. You're judging her? Six sessions, she says, at least. Six sessions at 300 a session. If I go for the package, it's 1500 total, one free treatment, a cosmetic value meal. Jessica, I say, if I pay you $1,500, can you make me look like a girl? She says, let me tell you how it works. The technician uses a handheld laser instrument. It sends a light beam through the skin. The beam seeks melanin, which is found in hair. It hits and destroys the hair follicle. Cooling gel protects the skin. Topical cream and aspirin minimize pain. The laser light works best for people with dark hair and fair skin. Dark hair and fair skin, that's me. That's Jessica too. She tells me how her hairy arms made her feel like something out of a freak show. No more, she says, rolling up her sleeves. Now there's just smooth, freckled skin. Her eyes are warm. Trust me, they say. I'm very happy, she says. So are my clients. Clients, not patients. Client means choice. It means you're the boss. We're on, I say. In the exam room, Jessica hands me a popsicle stick with cooling gel. I swipe it across every problem area. Chin, cheeks, upper lip. Even my neck where a few stray hairs grow. My pupils are dilated with worry. My left eyelid twitches. Hop up, she says, patting the exam table. I do this with a motion that is nothing like hopping. It is more like a walk to the guillotine. Lie back, she says, and I lower my head until it is level with my feet. She places cotton balls on my eyes and pins them with goggles. I learn I am claustrophobic. Blinded, I feel trapped. I gasp for air, but try to do it quietly. Jessica says, when I activate the laser, I'll say pulse. That way you know what's coming. Behind me, the machine hums into life. Background to the pulse that beats in my chest, wrists, and temples. You ready, Jessica asks? What if a wave of claustrophobia rolls over me before she's done? Will I make for the exit before my entire face is defollicled? Make it quick, I say. It is not quick. It takes an hour, and that is made bearable only by a break halfway through. How you doing, Jessica asks. It feels like someone scraped my face with the blunt, rusty side of an axe, then sprayed it with lemon juice. Fine, I say. I trawled the internet to find out just how much this was going to hurt, like a rubber band snapping, said one message board. Another warned of a little sting. Another said it might feel like a slight prick. Let me post on those message boards. I'll give a fucking rebuttal. The laser feels like someone's going fishing in my face. Each time I hear a beep, beep, beep. That's the beam seeking the follicle. Once found, it goes zap. That's the hair frying. Not only can I feel it, I can also smell it. Jessica, I say, 
talk to me. Tell me anything. Well, she says, a few weeks ago, my boyfriend and I went to a sex club. Downstairs, there was this dude. He was all strapped into a sling, naked as a J, pulse, except for his hipster glasses. The guy's clothes lay under the sling, folded military style, all corners matching. He had his dick in his hand, half hard, not so much jerking it as playing with it, reassuring himself it was still there. Looked like he'd just come from some startup job. Pulse, pulse. My boyfriend called him the dot comer. I picture Jessica and her boy floating around the sex club. I'm jealous. We didn't screw there, she says, if you're wondering. I'm not. What I do wonder is whether he tucked his arm around her waist, played with her black curls, kissed her lips. I'm wondering if he loved and accepted her even before she lazed off the fuzz that decorated her arms. Just about there, Jessica says. You okay? Outside this clinic, lovers are having late morning breakfasts. Bikers and joggers huff past. Tennis partners square off. Drivers pump gas at the Chevron. Mothers squat in front of strollers and shake fingers. What I wouldn't do to be one of them. Hurry, I say. Four more, she says. I'll count them down. Pulse. I bite my lip, curl my toes, remind myself why I'm doing this. Pulse. No more razors in the morning pulling my skin this way and that to get the closest cut. No more second shave of the day. The hair so thick and persistent it grows back even as it's shorn. Pulse. No more stubble. No more shadow. Pulse. No more walking in a room and wondering, are they looking at me? Done. Jesus, I say. I pull off the goggles. Light, beautiful, blessed. I struggle to sit up. My tailbone tentative, unsure if it's able to hold me. My head runny, my brain muddled. Hand me a mirror, I say to Jessica. All my politesse, my good girl training has been vaporized. I need to see what's been done to me. You don't look that bad. Hand me the damn thing. She hands it over. There I am, my eyes red and wet above my inflamed skin. The singed hairs are everywhere, some already falling out. I brush at them in triumph. I look great. Oh, All right. I know. Amazing. Woo! Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. I wanted to ask Serena to to jump in first since um, Allison, you and I both have read this before and this is Serena's first time hearing it. So um, Serena, what do you think? The story's great. The thing is, I knew what it was going to be about because of the title, right? But the thing is, when she begins the story, she does a really great job of grounding us and bringing the audience into that moment from the front door. And, you know, so that really sets us up to just feel exactly what she's going through. Like, you know, she's going to she's walking into a place she doesn't want to be. Right. But wait, Zarina, you were saying you knew what it was about, right? Because... Because I've had this done. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I want to hear about that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, the lip and the chin. So I was thinking, okay, this, I know exactly what this is. And she describes it very well. Is she in Miami? No. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but, you know, the whole time I was thinking, you know, 
It's not that big of a deal. It's just something you get done. But the stakes raise at the turning point when she talks about uh, being at the doctor's office at 10 years old and being diagnosed with this condition that's pretty severe in hair growing. And I like how she defined that very succinctly because we've had enough writing classes to know that anytime a writer starts talking about medical conditions, it gets in the weeds and we get lost. And she doesn't do that. She just gives it to us in a sentence and we're able, we're able to move on and, and, and still understand just how serious this condition is for her. She's not doing it for cosmetic purposes as far as to be, you know, cute and pretty. She's doing this so that she can feel normal. So, I really like how this story is set up in, in that way. And then the stakes are raised again when she brings us back into the description of the things that she had to deal with. And I like it the way it's done because as the procedure is ending and the pulse is in there, she's saying no more this, no more shaving, no more all of these uh, other things that she said. I'm losing my place, but you guys know. Yeah, I love that part too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if we want to discuss this here, but when it first came to us as an excerpt, it was assumed everybody knew what was going on because when you take an excerpt out of the book, there's always been a lot of backstory. So what happened with us is that when it came to us, I was like, is she going in for a sex change? Like, is she trans? Like I was completely lost. So what happened, and I think this always kind of has to happen when you take, pull something out of a book is you kind of have to fill in the blanks and it's really, really helpful to throw it out there to somebody who does not know your story yet. So I think that because we were all sort of looking at it and reading it and and offering our edits, I think it, you know, not to brag about myself, but I think it did make it stronger. And I was wondering if if Zarina was going to have that same, like, wait, is she what? But it's so clear in this version. And this was the first time I've heard this version. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was a hundred percent more clear and better. And we get so much background and we know what she's going through and we know how she feels. And I just, I loved every single word, every one of them. Well, I think it's fascinating, Allison, that you thought that it was, a a sex change situation. And I see how you thought that. But since I had read the whole book, I knew exactly that she was going into a laser clinic. But your edits were really good. You asked her to name the clinic. You asked her to name the um, condition. You asked her to go back in time and tell us, the listener, the reader, what she had to deal with as a kid. I thought, yeah, the edits are amazing. And her writing is... So good. Just the whole back and forth with Jessica, I thought was so incredible. And how Jessica's like telling us a story and then pulse and then pulse. It just, I felt like I was there a hundred percent. And the story that Jessica's telling her is so interesting to me. I'm like, what? I'll tell you why I love it so much. First of all, I love it because it's it's like here she's telling it kind of a spicy story about being in a sex club, but that's not really it. The way that I thought Alison Landa interpreted it or what she cared about. And she says this, she's like, no, I, I didn't wonder if they had sex. I wondered if the guy loved Jessica 
even before she she lasered off the fuzz on her arm. Like, did the boyfriend love Jessica as she yeah. is? That yeah. was so tender. Like, it was like, we're in the midst of this, like, sort of seedy world, but then it becomes tender. I felt like that was a, a trick in writing and amazing. It goes even deeper as to say, you know, is this worth it? Is this procedure that she's going through worth it? Because in the end, I'm getting that she's doing this so that she can be loved. Oh, my God. I want you guys all to read Bearded Lady, the whole book. Because what Alice in Lanta does, she weaves throughout these themes. And of course, one of them is being loved and being accepted. And it's uh, it's so heartwarming and heartbreaking at times. It's so beautiful. It's really cool because even though I don't have a beard and I don't go through that, I have my own shit. Like I was born without a tooth and I had to have a fake tooth and then it came out. Like there's things. Is somebody going to love me without my tooth? And then you go bald and then, you know, then you go through menopause. But what I'm saying is we all go through our own things. So like, even though her story is a hundred percent worse than anything I I have to say that I've gone through for her, it's universal Mm -hmm. because we've all gone through something. And I love that about the story. I hope everyone will stay on because I talked to Allison Landa sort of about this. So there's an interview that's coming up and it'll be short and quick and good. But she actually did say that this was her coming out story. This was the story that she needed to write. And yeah, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, because everybody has something. Are we done talking about what was great about the story? I mean, I no. you were going to talk about the container. Oh, yeah. So, right. So this whole story was written as she's walking into the laser clinic and as she's walking out. And then she tells the whole story, the backstory of being 10 years old, what her condition is, wanting to be loved. She tells us so much contained within this hour long procedure. It reminds me a tiny bit of the structure of the woman who goes into the hair salon and her daughter's going through something. I mean, we refer to that one all the time. Of course, now you're going to ask me which episode that was. The episode where we talk about this reminds me so much of the container is episode 71. And it's called What's Inside Your Container? Go back and listen to episode 71 for another great episode where you'll learn how to write using a container. I also like the perspective that she has when she mentions that they refer to their patients as clients. And to me, just from the way she's describing everything, she saw herself as a patient because she saw herself. No client. She she sees herself as a client because she's the boss and she made a choice. Well, yeah, I know. But I feel that she, based on how I I heard this and read this, is that she originally saw herself as a patient based on just being diagnosed when she was 10 years old and the fact that the clinic refers to their people as clients, it's like, ah, there's nothing wrong with me. This is my choice. There's something that she, you know, it's something she has control over because she doesn't have control over the fact that she's growing hair and all over and can't stop it. But now- It was an empowering moment. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. And I almost wished- that when the story started, that it wasn't titled Bearded Lady, because I'm like, oh, I know what this is about. But the surprise was that turning point of just how severe the symptoms were for her. 
And that just made me feel for her and and fall in love with her, (laughs) you know? Get in line. Mm -hmm. Okay, you guys listen to the interview because Alison Landa spent 17 years from start to finish getting her book out. And it shows because the book is polished and it doesn't lose any of its vulnerability or I don't think it loses any of its original spark. It is so good. It really is one of the best memoirs I've read ever. Wow. Wow. Yeah. When I say that that Alice in Atlanta is the next Joan Didion, I'm not fucking with you. I'm serious. Oh, my God. I had the chills. It's excellent. I want everyone in the world to read it. Wow. I do think that it is inspiring to know that she has spent all this time and we have gotten rejected and our writing is good. It's not because people have bad writing. It's because people don't think they can sell it if you don't have a fucking platform, but you're supposed to write and build a platform and raise kids and have friends and help your dying parents. Like it's too fucking much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, publishing is a very, 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 very competitive sport as is every art form and every sport. But Alison Landa persevered. And so can you, Alison Langer. And Andrea Askowitz and Serena Fry. Exactly. Oh, and all yeah. of our listeners. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is a matter of time. I have Alison Landa on the Zoom line. This is the coolest thing. I mean, at this point in the podcast, I have already gone apeshit crazy over how much I love this story. <laughs> but what I want to ask you now Allison Landa is a little bit about your process from germ of a story to published book and tell us everything about when it's coming out and with who and how to, how that went down. This is a story I always knew I wanted to tell. This was my story. This was the story that sat in my stomach and made itself really fucking apparent year over year. I went to a workshop at Joyce Maynard's house and she talked about having her story that she wanted to tell about J.D. Salinger. And she said she wrote At Home in the World. And after that, wrote two books in quick succession. I was like, holy shit, this is my story and this is what I need to do. At the time, I was in graduate school at St. Mary's College of California. I was in a nonfiction class and we had to write a proposal for a story. Wrote up the proposal, thought, holy shit, I can't believe I'm showing this to anybody. This scared the hell out of me. And I gave it to my professor, who was also my mentor, Wesley Gibson. And how many years ago was this? Oh, my God. This was in 2005. Okay. This story has been a long time in coming. And all he said are four words. He said, sweetheart, go for it. (gasps) And that got me rolling. I was like, holy shit, that's all I need to hear. Sweetheart, go for it. And I did. And I wrote so many drafts, so many different versions, so much crazy shit. There were characters that I deleted. There were characters I added. There were situations that I wrote about and then chucked because they didn't make much sense. And ultimately, I learned a lot as I did it. I learned about higher themes. I learned that I wasn't just telling a story. I learned that I was also talking about something that was going to matter to people going forward. It was the bigger things, the ideas of, of connection and the ideas of what makes you feel weird in the world and the fact that we all feel weird in the world. And those were the themes that emerged over time. And as those themes emerged, the story emerged. I got an agent. Wait, wait, I want to stop for a second and say a few things. One is that um, Joyce Maynard is one of my mentors too. And she's been on Writing Class Radio and we just, I mean, she's an amazing teacher. 
So that's so cool. And two other things. One is um, you are obviously going to bust out two more books in fast succession after this. (laughs) (laughs) I sure as hell hope so. Yeah, yeah, that's just going to happen. I also want to say one more thing before you tell us how you got your agent. This is one of my favorite memoirs ever. I fucking love it. And I I think it's partly maybe because it took this long and maybe because those themes that you're talking about, connection, weirdness in the world. And there's this one page in the book that's like, it's about this is the bottom line. It's about love, wanting to be loved. Did I get that right? You did. Absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. I actually screenshotted those pages and looked back at them. How did Alison Lanta do this? Wow. Yeah. And I've been working on an essay and I'm using Alison Landa and how you get to a theme and how you also, another thing that you do so well, and then I'm sorry, we're going back to you, is describing emotion and using metaphor. Like you're just brilliant. If you want to tell me how brilliant I am, I'm here all day. I'm here all week. <laughs> okay. But I swear I will have already done this on the <laughs> podcast when we record. So, okay, go back to... 17 years, and then the agent stuff. Okay. So I sent out the the manuscript to a number of agents, and one of them sent it on to a junior agent of hers. I would be her first client, and she was young. She was excited. She read the book. She loved it. And she wrote to me, and I remember the subject line of the email was Bearded Lady Memoir. And I was like, holy shit, I think I'm getting signed. And that just blew my fucking mind because... I mean, not everybody needs or wants an agent, but I wanted that gatekeeper thing. I wanted to be told, I'm going to take this on. Wait, not everyone needs and wants an agent? What, what, what? <laughs> I don't know those people. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know them either. I, no, I, I feel like there are some people who don't. There are some people who don't need it, who don't want it. I was craving it. Mm-hmm. I needed it. I wanted it. And the agent's name was Naomi and Naomi was the sweetest, kindest person. And she tried to sell the book and it got really, really close at Simon and Schuster and did not sell because of platform. It wasn't because of the book itself was platform. I, I didn't have a name. I wasn't anybody. So ultimately she and I parted ways. What year was that? That was 2013. Okay. So that was nine years ago. Yep. I put the book away for a little while. I was like, you know what, honey? Like, let's just take a break. Let's, uh, you know, it's been good. It's been a good run, but let's take a break. 2015 came. I should mention I got unexpectedly pregnant. And and I decided, you know, I want to try this again. I want to try this again. This is important to me. If I can birth a baby, I can birth a book. Exactly. And the fact was that I was like, holy shit, what's going to happen to me on that other side after I have him? I need to get this thing out in the world. So an agent named Miriam Altshuler came to me and said, I love it, but it's not a memoir. It's a young adult book. What do you mean a, a, <laughs> an a, Miriam Altshuler came to me? Do you mean you sent a million query letters and then she responded? Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, no, she didn't just come to me out of the blue. She like she responded. I was like, I have a long email from an agent. I better get some coffee going. Good. And I did. And she had said, look, this is a beautiful story, but we can't sell it as a memoir. This is a young adult book. And I thought, holy hell, what am I going to do? Like, I've never read young adult. 
I've certainly never written it. And I said, okay. <laughs> it was kind of like when in the book, I, I, I have the, the lemon juice on my face and I say, I'm fine. It was the same thing. And for four years, we tried <gasps> to rewrite really? it. Four years. And I should stop and say, she's a lovely person. She's a wonderful person. And after four years, I was just like, I, this isn't working. This isn't my book. And we we parted ways very, very amicably. Like you don't even like young adults, probably. I <laughs> like young adults, like teenagers. Yeah. I actually love them. Oh, you know, I was, I, that was me projecting. And this was in 2019. And six months later, I went to a launch party for some people who were launching their book. And I said, if they can do it, so can I. I said, you know, fuck it. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And I found Marissa Zeppieri. Marissa Zeppieri is the agent who sold my book. And Marissa has lupus. And she Mm -hmm. created Lupus Chick, which is a big nexus for online nexus for people with lupus. Marissa understands the idea of a health memoir and understood that this was more than that. Marissa got my story and she got me, which was amazing. Like she and I just clicked. I love Marissa. I have chills. I mean, seriously, I don't know. Marissa is amazing. Like Marissa, I love you, Marissa. Like seriously, Marissa is fan-fucking-tastic. And she signed me. How much editing did you do with Marissa? Zero. Hmm. Nothing. Really? Not a bit. Not a word, really. So she just... Okay. I think she's, we ran a spell check. That was about <laughs> it. We didn't do a lot of editing at all. And she sent it out on submission and it again, it came close to the big ones and it didn't sell. So then we started with more mid, like middle size ones. And we found Woodhall Press. Woodhall Press is publishing it. All right. That's my publisher. They had very few edits. The edits that they had were copy edits. So it was, I mean, it had been honed over the years. That fucker. Well, it is really, really good. Thank you. And like, it's clean. Like, it's such an easy read. I thought it was structured perfectly. Starts with you as a kid. That moment in school. What was it? Someone called you. uh, The werewolf. It was such a vulnerable, beautiful, sick, sad scene. I loved it. (laughs) And I love what you say about the book because I think you, you have these insights into it. It's kind of amazing. Like, the parts that you pick out are parts that I love, too. And people have also told me it's a fast read, not because it's there's no substance, but because hopefully there is substance. Oh, God. Yeah, there is. There is. And I think the higher themes really help. I think that if people want to write a memoir, they need to think about what that book means more than just their anecdote. I mean, I could sit down and say I was a bearded lady and that would make a really fun party story. But if that's all that I was saying and all that I was talking about, I just don't think the book would have been nearly as good. But the higher themes. You teach writing, don't you? So that's the way that we teach it at Writing Class Radio is the situation and the story. And we stole that from, um, what's her name? The woman who wrote the situation, the story. And it's what you're saying. It's like there's this anecdote, but how do you make that into a story? What did you learn? What's the higher register moment? What does it mean? Exactly. And for me, it really was about what makes you feel weird in the world. Everyone has that thing that makes them feel weird. I don't care how cool they look. I don't care how confident they look. They may be cool and confident. They still have that one thing that makes them feel weird. 
I always think of it as everyone has a coming out story. Mm, that is fantastic. That's exactly, this is my coming out story. This is my, I mean, very few people actually ever talk to me about the whole beard thing. I put a lot of it in the book, but very few people actually said anything to me about it because I think that they were being kind. Well, the Allison character from the book was really like, no, do not talk to me about it. And two of your best friends who I fucking adore, Mm -hmm. oh my God, they had your back and still Mm -hmm. you pushed them away and pushed them away. And I thought that I so understood. The people who approached me at any point, a lot of them did with love. And when I first started talking about it voluntarily, it was with my husband. Mm-hmm. And this is before we were married. I told him something happened to me and I don't know that I can tell you. And he said, okay. And so of course I told him mm-hmm. that I went and had laser hair removal and I sobbed. Yeah, I remember the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So freaking gorgeous that, yeah, I love him. I'll tell him you said that because he was, <laughs> you're his type. You're his, you're his kind of type of person. I am? Yeah, because you're real. I, he likes real. There's a line in there where he says something like, I don't have the energy to care. And to you, it was like, fuck. It was totally the opposite of the way you had been like operating <laughs> your whole life. Oh my God, absolutely. Absolutely. He nailed it. He nailed it. He is so... He's so himself and he really brought me out into that world where I was like, I don't need to hide anymore. And I really thank him for that. That sounds so formal, but I really thank him for that. Oh, I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to meet you in person. When are we hanging out? I know, out? I know. I'm coming to Miami, my friend. Are you serious? Oh, I wish. <laughs> I'm oh. saying that. I was like, what? I ha- no, okay. I need to. I need to. I absolutely need to. Go to the Sanibel Island Writers Conference. Oh, shit. I've heard of that. It's awesome. Joyce you, are you is gonna, there. Yeah. Writing Class Radio oh, teaches there. Oh my God. It's a party. I'm looking it up after I talk to you. Okay. I'm looking it up. Okay. Seriously. I like this conversation. Okay. We'll talk more on the beach. See you in Sanibel, November 3rd, 2022. Here's to new beginnings. Thank you for listening. And thank you so, so much, Allison Landa, for coming on the show, for the interview, for reading your story and sharing your story with us. We feel really fortunate to have heard your story and to now get the opportunity to read your book, especially since you're the next Joan Didion. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Allison Langer, Andrea Askwitz, and Zarina Fry. Audio production by Matt Kundal, Evan Serminski, and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music is by Justina Chandler. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including essays to study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. Hey, don't forget my new segment on Instagram, Saturday Stories We Study. Join our writing community by following us on Patreon. For $25 a month, you can join our first draft weekly writers group. We meet Tuesday, 12 to 1 Eastern time and Wednesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. You'll write to a prompt and share what you wrote. If you're looking to take your writing to the next level, for $125 a month, you get first draft and second draft. In second draft each week, three people bring in a second draft for feedback. Join the community that comes together for instruction, an excuse to write, 
and most importantly, the support from other writers. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.